Board round, session number 44. The moment you step foot on campus as a medical student, you are gearing up for one of the biggest tests you'll ever have to take, USMLE Step 1 or Comlex Level 1. The medical school headquarters and board vitals are going to help you prepare for your first board exam with questions, pearls of information, and guidance to make sure you have what it takes to score high and match into your specialty of choice. Welcome to Board Rounds. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray. If this is your first time here, thank you for joining us. If you are looking for some other podcasts that I do, you can check out Specialty Stories, a great podcast to help you figure out what specialty you will want to practice in the future. You can find that at specialtystories.com. As always, I'm joined by Dr. Mike Natter from Board Vitals. If you are looking for some more help with your board prep, go to boardvitals.com. Check out everything they have to offer. Their massive QBank database will help you prepare for step one or level one. And even in the future as well, for your shelf exams, Board Vitals has you covered. Again, go to boardvitals.com. Check out everything they have to offer for medical students whether you're in an allopathic school or an osteopathic school, Board Vitals has you covered. Again, use the promo code BOARDROUNDS to save 15% off. Let's go and jump into our episode today. Dr. Mike Natter, back for some more Board Rounds. How are you today? I'm back. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to rumble. Back and better than ever. Uh, have you cured coronavirus yet? Uh, still working on it. Um, okay. <laughs> a few more yeah, trips to the lab, maybe we can figure it okay. out. But, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Still novel. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting once this all, once the dust settles. I, I don't think, I think we, we talked in the last episode about SARS being a coronavirus as well. I don't think they ever figured out where SARS came from. And uh, obviously what the media wants to know is, is where did this come from? Did it come from a snake? It was some of the initial stuff. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they ever figure yeah. out where this came from. Regardless of the uh, etiology, I think uh, washing your hands. Let's just just wash your hands. Shocker! Wash right? And how long have we known about washing hands? That's kind of the key to preventing. It's a good this. idea. Yeah. You know what's <laughs> interesting? I I listened to a lot of tech podcasts, and there was oh, a right, mention. I was just going to say the same thing. Which no, one were you listening to? No, which which one? Go, you do it. Well, now I can't remember. It was I think it was the NPR TED Hour. Okay with Guy Raz and he, it was interviewing simple solutions. And so he's interviewing people and there's this woman who is a researcher and she's basically like the simple solution is washing your hands. And she says, does research and found that four out of five people don't wash their hands. Yeah. I, I can't stand when I go to an airport, which is where I see it the most often people just walk in, walk out. I'm like, that's just disgusting. Were you going to say the same thing? No, I was not. Uh, I was going to talk about, um, how, uh, the the advent of uh, Face ID on iPhones is potentially helping spread this because in, in the Asian culture in China, a lot of people wear face masks and Face ID doesn't work with a face mask on. And so people are constantly taking off their mask to unlock their phones to, to, to use their phones. And this is potentially spreading uh, this, this virus and, and other stuff potentially, obviously. Uh, very more readily available. So it's very interesting. But then I wonder if, if you're using your fingers more on your phone, are you 
like, is your phone becoming more of a phone? I don't know. I guess. It, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think we all need to disinfect our phones every single day, but, uh, oh, yeah. I never yeah. do. After a day in the hospital, I want to just throw my phone out usually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They sell little, uh, like nightstand UV light kind of treatments for phones. Should oh, look interesting. Into that. I should invest in that. Yeah. All right. What do we have in store today? Oh, let's do it. So kind of hearkening back to um, our billetary track uh, from last week, we have another billetary track uh, question that's very interesting, and I hope I hope you're able to get it. Ha, here we go. We're going to dive on in. 32-year-old woman complains of right upper quadrant pain that is sharp and severe and has been worsening over the last six hours. Her oral intake worsens with her symptoms. Her past medical history includes systemic lupus, autoimmune hemolytic anemia, gout, membroproliferative glomerulonephritis, and thrombocytopenia. Physical exam reveals tenderness to palpation at the right upper quadrant. Imaging is performed and confirms a diagnosis of acute cholecystitis. The patient undergoes a laparoscopic cholecystectomy without any complications. The patient's gallstones are most likely composed of which of the following substances? A. Calcium bilirubinate. B. Calcium phosphate. C, calcium oxalate, D, cholesterol, or E, uric acid. Oh, man. Um, so why can't they just, <laughs> just make it easy? Um, obviously, she's got a very complicated medical history. And my guess is that that's going to have to play in here. Mm -hmm. um, so looking down the list of, of choices here, calcium bilirubinate, calcium phosphate, calcium oxalate. Calcium oxalate, that sounds like kidney stones to me, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, uric acid, I think, is more related to kidney stones as well, potentially. So uh, those, those uh, kind of, um, those two I'll cross off. Cholesterol, as far as I remember, is a very common cause of stones. So, um, so that's going to be high up on my list. But there's just something about her presentation and her past medical history that's gonna it's it's gonna be one of these other ones. It's not going to be right the most common answer. Um, in between bilirubinate and phosphate. Um, oh man. Uh, so th this is the, the tricky one is, is, well, calcium phosphate, like, well, she's got s this membroproliferative glomerulonephritis. And so obviously mm -hmm. there's, there's some going to be some phosphate calcium issues potentially there. So maybe that's it. And then, uh, this hemolytic anemia. And so you have lots of bilirubin being spilled and like, maybe that, ah, I don't know. I, so I'm between A, B and D and, uh, that's probably where I would leave it. Okay. Um, again, really beautiful way of breaking it down and kind of pulling in your knowledge. Um, so you're absolutely correct that the most common stones are usually, uh, gallstones rather, usually uh, comprised of um, cholesterol. And I also want to kind of make a plug that while this question doesn't have any pictures, it, it, it would behoove your students to know the different kind of colors and shapes of different stones, both kidney and gallstones. Yeah. Um, because that would be a very good question to be, or you would likely question to see on step one, because uh, you can differentiate pretty readily based on um, 
shape and color of okay. stones and kidney stones. Um, so you're, you're correct. So usually you're going to think of cal- of rather cholesterol, but because of her past medical history, which you very astutely picked up, there are things that she's going to be more likely to have. Um, and there is also some kind of red herring. So um, you correctly picked up that she has gout. Gout, you think of uric acid. They're trying to trick you because uric acid is not going to create any gallstones. It will create other types of stones and other types of deposits in your joints, yep. but definitely won't give you the gallstones. Um, similarly, you know things like with your kidney, like the glomerulonephritis, um, can predispose you to having higher levels of different um, you know, circulating uh, electrolytes. But again, we should not create these types of stones. The calcium ox- oxalate stones, which you mentioned, um, very common in kidney stones. And kidney stones are going to present very differently. They're going to be kind of this flank pain, um, potentially some uh, some blood in the urine, so on and so forth. But this is very clearly a uh, stone um, in her gallbladder. Yep. So the, the next thing that I also noted and kind of highlighted when I was reading through this question was her autoimmune hemolytic anemia. So remind me, what are red blood cells made of? Uh, heme. Heme. Yeah. So we have, we have, we have a hemoglobin. Yep. Hemoglobin is made up of heme and bilirubin. Yep. And when we, um, and there's some iron and a few other things in there as well, but yep. when we are hemolyzing and heme meaning, uh, you know, the hemoglobin molecule and the, yep. anything lysis is breaking up of that, you're going to kind of put all the guts of these red blood cells into the circulation and, um, you're going to create higher levels of bilirubin. And so, um, it's not uncommon for these things to kind of participate out, uh, precipitate out rather into stones in the gallbladder. And so folks who have hemoglobinemia, um, are, it's not uncommon for them to, um, have these types of stones. Nice. Okay. So definitely they, they could have, um, potentially gotten rid of the, uh, physical examination and the, the surgery, the, the treatment and could, do you think a, a step one question would have, um, uh, more of that straightforward. Hey, th- here's a very complicated past medical history. Someone like this, uh, where would you be con- concerned about stone formation? Um, in terms of like, yeah. uh, so the step one questions are so convoluted and what they'll typically do, which I always found frustrating is that you'll be reading through the, the question and, as you're reading it, you're getting a sense of what they're going to ask you and you're, they're giving you all these clues and you're like, Oh, I know exactly the answer to this. And then at the next sentence they say, and she has you know, <laughs> Gilbert's disease. You're like, yeah. that's what I was thinking the answer was. And then they ask you some like second or third line question of like, and then you treat her for the thing that we're not going to tell you that you already know what it is, but what are the side effects of that? You know, it's like yeah. some third, yeah. you know, nonsense. <laughs> yeah. 30, 30 years down the line from this treatment, what is the sequelae? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely, uh, definitely much, much more convoluted. Okay. Um, all right. I think we covered all of those one. Any, any last minute parting wisdom here for this one? Um, no, I, I do think it's important. I kind of already mentioned, but the, to know the colors of the stones is helpful. Yeah. And then also the, for, especially for the, um, kidney stones to know what the shapes are kind of under a microscope is helpful. All right. So there you have it. Another great episode for you with Dr. Mike Natter. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Hopefully you learned something from it as you learned with me as Dr. Mike Natter was teaching me through this journey. Uh, Don't forget, you can check out Dr. Mike Natter at mike.natter on Instagram. I'm medicalschoolhq on Instagram. If you want to follow me there, go check out everything that he's doing, some amazing stuff with his artwork. 
And don't forget to go check out boardvitals.com and use the promo code BOARDROUNDS to save 15% off their QBanks or their shelf exams, whatever you need to help prepare you for your next step in this journey. Again, boardvitals.com. Use the promo code BOARDROUNDS to save 15% off. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on Board Rounds. This is MedEd Media.